Last week we had studied the book of Ephesians and we kind of looked at the mystery uh, revealed, which the Bible's very clear in the wording in Ephesians. It's not really being hid to us as it was hidden in other ages, that the, the mystery of God is that there would be one body, one church, but that both Jew and Gentile uh, would be saved in. And then we looked at the things that Paul, how he edified, he was edifying the church. And he was reminding, bringing in a remembrance that because they were in that one body, that they had forgiveness of sins and that they were in Christ and that they had been delivered from darkness. They had been translated to the kingdom. And so he was, he was, he was building them up. This letter is not as many times it was as a rebuke and trying to correct things. Anything he was strengthening the foundations. And so tonight, we're going to look at the blessings that you have in Christ once you do obey the gospel. Um, there's many points that we could bring out, and I'm just going to bring out three this evening. But as Ben read for us in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, when Paul is writing that letter to, the, to Ephesus, the congregation there, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And so it's very clear, as, as when Garland was here, he, he pointed this out very clearly. In Christ is where all blessings are. There's no spiritual blessings outside of Christ. Now, there may be physical blessings. Remember, God said that he would let it rain. The rain would fall on the just and the unjust. And so we can see the blessings physical blessing each and every day. But there are, there are specific things that only Christians have access to. The first point tonight I want to look at is newness. Newness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, and Paul's writing the second letter to the Corinthians, Therefore, if any man be where? In Christ. He is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so it doesn't matter how wicked we were before we obeyed the gospel of Christ. Once we're in Christ, that, that slate's been cleaned. We are a new creature, a new creation. And so we don't have to be worried. We know that Paul, he, he always brought in remembrance saying that he was the least of the apostles, he was the chiefest of sinners. That was that humility. That was so that he never lost track and never, uh, remember he said, if I preach to others and myself be a castaway. And so it helped him guide to stay faithful to God. It helped him persevere through persecutions because he knew that the blood of Christ had saved him. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 15 and 16, when Paul's writing to the churches in Galatia, for in Christ Jesus, again, where? In Christ. Neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision. And so this is talking fleshly. It matters not whether you're a Jew or if you're a Greek or a Gentile. What, what matters? But a new creature. That's the only thing that God cares about, is you being a new creature. In verse 16, he says, And as many as walk according to this rule, what rule? That new creature. 
as many of us that walks as a new creature. If we walk as the old creature, we're not pleasing to God. And notice, those that walk as a new creature, the peace of God be on them, and God's mercy be on them, and upon the Israel God. Now, this is the Israel God is not the physical nation. He's writing it to Christians. This Israel, as in the book of Romans, uh, clearly points out, not all that are of Israel are Israel. This is the spiritual Israel. This is the church. So what circumcision should we be concerned about? Well, we looked at that last week, but I went ahead and included it today. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. When he, he's reaffirming to the, the ones at Colossae, in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hand, and so it's not that fleshly circumcision, and putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. And so it doesn't matter. In order to be that new creature, this is the circumcision that God is concerned with. This is the only way that you can be a new creature because that old man has been cut away from you. Notice what he writes to the church at Philippi. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. For we are the circumcision. He's not talking fleshly. Which, what? Worship God in what? In the Spirit. And rejoice in where? Christ Jesus. And have no confidence in the flesh. The flesh is going to deceive us. The flesh is going to cause us to do things that are contrary to the Word of God. But if we walk in the Spirit, that is by the teachings of the Spirit, then we are truly the circumcision. But notice we worship God. Remember what John, uh, Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse 23 to the Samaritan lady at the well. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers, not the Jews, remember she was saying, we worship in this mountain, but you worship, it. no. He said there, the time was coming when that would no longer be so. When the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. And then if you go to verse 424, it says you must. It's required that we must worship God in spirit and in truth. For he is a spirit. Notice in John 9.31. And this is, this is alluding back to uh, Ben's sermon this morning. About... Uh, he brought out very clearly that because we are the bride of Christ, that we have access to prayer and that we should be using prayer because that is our, our pathway to God. John 9.31. Now, this, this was not spoken by Jesus. This was spoken by the, the blind man. Now, we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a what? You must already be a worshiper of God. And you must already be doing His will. And so if we're a sinner, we're not doing the will of God. If we're a sinner, our worship is in vain. Notice it says, Him he heareth. That wasn't, that wasn't a, a lie. That's, that's truth. When he was speaking that on that day because they were condemning Jesus for healing him, he says, but God heard this man. He's a righteous man. And he healed me. 
Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2 is not what we read, but I, I, I zero in on 2. When the nation of Israel were told, but your iniquities have separated, that means that you were dead to God. Between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. Now in verse 1, it clearly says that God has all power to do such things. But he's a righteous God, and he's not going to listen to you if you have your sin. So I ask you tonight, how does the sinner prayer work? If God does not listen to the prayers of a sinner, how can one receive salvation by praying a prayer to him? There's a reason why we don't find it in the word of God. Because that is a doctrine of man and not of God. Now, when we saw Simon in Acts chapter 8 was told to pray, well, he was already in Christ because we see that he obeyed the gospel before he sinned again. And so he had access to the blood of Jesus Christ and he had access to prayer. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22 for as in Adam all died, we, we were all as Adam, we all sinned. We all spiritually died. Even so in Christ, those that will obey the teachings of Jesus Christ shall be made what? Spiritually alive. We looked at that last week, that we've been made alive. When we were made alive, when were we quickened, it was through baptism. First John chapter 2 verse 1 and I'm, I'm sure this will be covered in Ben's sermon my little children these things are right on you that you sin not and if any man sin we have an advocate with the father Jesus Christ the righteous <clears throat> Jesus is going to be the judge on the judgment day but right now he is pleading on our behalf with the father As Ben pointed out this morning, that we pray to God the Father through Jesus Christ. The only reason we have that, that privilege of praying to our Father is because we are in Christ. We are being covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Notice in Romans chapter 6 verse 4 what Paul told them to do. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in what? Newness of life. What was the problem at Rome? He tells us what the problem at Rome was in verse 1. He says, shall we sin so that grace may abound? I tell you. They had the mindset that God's so gracious, he's full of mercy and grace, they were doing God a favor by sinning because he was being allowed to use that grace. It is true that God's abundantly, uh, abundant in his grace. 
That's what Paul's getting at. Even though I persecuted the church and I did all these evil things, the grace of God was not, not uh, little enough not to save me. Even when he pleaded about the, th the thorn in his side, Jesus told him, my grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. First John chapter 1 verse 7 John writes but if we walk in the light as he is in the light so it's conditional we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin that would be future sins the ETH means it continuously cleanses us as long as we're trying to walk in the light we've already seen in chapter 2 that he's our advocate and in the the, the verses uh, 8 through 10, 8 says, I believe, if we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us. Verse 9 says that if we confess our sins, that God is faithful to forgive us of those sins. It's through repentance. When we, when we do a sin, we must repent of those things. We must go to God in prayer and ask for forgiveness. And so it's all done by what? It's by walking that new life. But... As, as John writes, if, we, if we're trying to live perfectly and we say we have no sins, we, we lie. And the truth is not in us. God knows that we're going to have those moments of weakness. It's how we respond to those. And so I've already alluded to, but point number two tonight is God's grace, God's peace, and God's mercy. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which were where? In Christ Jesus. But notice it's conditional. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That's the same thing that John is alluding to when he says walk in the light. The Word of God is the light. And so if we're walking according to the Scriptures... After we obey the, the gospel, we're in Christ. We don't have any condemnation. We're doing what God was asking us to do. Before that, before we were sinners, this is past tense, Romans 3, 23 and 24. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, when you obey the gospel, guess what is the glory of God? It's the church. We're no longer short. When we obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're no longer short of God's glory. First Corinthians is the last verse of chapter 1. Verse 31. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. We looked at that last week. We were added to the Lord. We're in Christ. The glory of God is the church. And so we're no longer, once we obey, we're no longer short of the glory because we, we have had our sins washed away. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So where is our the redeemed? 
The redeemed are in Christ Jesus. Where are the justified? The justified are in Christ Jesus. And I will tell you that grace is only found in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. When Paul's writing his letter to the young preacher Timothy, he says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. God's grace is not outside of Christ. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, being justified by faith. Well, that's true. It's our belief in the scriptures and our obedience to it that makes us justified with God. And because we are justified with God, we have peace with God. Why? Because there's no condemnation in Christ. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. First Corinthians chapter six verse eleven. Now Paul's going to uh, he's going to list some sins, and they're all past tense. In verse eleven he says, "And such were some of you." You see, you're you're a new creature. You're no longer a drunkard. You're no longer such and such. Why? It, this should say because. But ye are washed. Baptism. Ye are sanctified. Called out from the world. How are you different? You're in that one body because you're walking as a new creature. And ye are justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, when Paul's writing, as much, much time when he was writing to those, he would, he would tell them many things. As In Ephesians chapter 1, remember we looked at the saints in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified, where? In Christ Jesus. Called to be what? Saints. Well, the word saints is just a shortened form of the word sanctified. Now, I know, I know, um, when we when we obey the gospel, there, there's three categories. There's saved, sinner, or uh, saint. When we're a child, we're safe because we know not the law, we know not what sin is. We're, we're innocent. As Paul said, I was alive once, but when the law came, I died. See, Paul was made alive again through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And once we obey that gospel, we are a saint. <laughs> Romans chapter 5, verse 9. Much more than being now justified by his blood... We shall be saved from the wrath through him. That's that no condemnation. We have peace. We're no longer an enemy of God. See, an enemy of God, why are you an enemy of God? Because transgressions of the law is sin against God. We are an enemy against God when we, when we commit acts of sin.
Whoever so committed sin, this is 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And so when we are living outside of God's law, we are an enemy towards Him. When we're walking as that new creature, we are aligned with Him because we are walking in the light. But that's, we're going we're gonna to be able to tap into God's mercy. We're not going to receive what we deserve. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin, what do we deserve? Death. So if we're not receiving what we deserve, that's mercy. But the gift of God is eternal life. So if we're receiving something that we didn't earn, that's grace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Notice. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 For by grace are you saved. Through faith and that not of yourselves. Well, what does that mean? Well, you can't earn it. What we earned was death. So if we want to go to God and say, I earned it, the scripture says we earned death. Well, we all have sinned. It's by God's grace that we're able to have eternal life. Notice it's a gift of God. He freely gives it to all that will take it. Which brings us to salvation. The last point this evening is salvation. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 1. Now, a lot of people say, well, when you obey the gospel, you're saved, so you have salvation. It's not the way the scriptures teach it. Salvation still has to be obtained. We are saved. We don't have eternal life. We can lose it. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. Of course, that's talking about when Paul was selected out of due season. It was by the will of God that he was an apostle. He was selected by God according to the promise of life, which is where? In Christ Jesus. And so there's a promise of life only in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10. Paul says, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake. Who's the elect? That's the church. That they may also obtain... The salvation which is where? In Christ Jesus. Where, is salvation outside of Christ? No. With eternal glory. But these people are already in the church. They're the elect. He says that they may also obtain the salvation. He's not writing about this about non-Christians. He's writing to Christians. That they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. Mark 10, verse 30. I was looking for it last week. Uh, it might have been on my invitation. I don't remember. And Ben was searching the scriptures trying to find it with me. Mark 10, 30. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with, with persecutions. It's not going to be easy. First he's telling you you've got to give up your family. 
You've got to pick me over your family. Don't worry because you're going to receive a hundredfold of sisters and brothers in Christ. But it's going to come to a cost because it's going to be with persecution because Paul says, all that live godly in Christ shall suffer what? Persecution. But notice, in the world to come, eternal life. We don't have eternal life yet. There's some that teach that once you become saved, nothing can separate you from God. Well, it says man and principalities and this, that, and the other. Guess who can separate you from God? You can. How? By not walking as a new creature. By going back to the old man. Because the sin is the thing that separated you the first time. It's the thing that will separate you the second time. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12. That at the time you were what? Without Christ. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. And strangers from the covenant of promise. Having no hope. And without God in the world. Without Christ, we have no hope. Well, what is our hope in? Titus chapter 1, verse 2, in hope of eternal life, which God cannot lie, promised before the world began. That goes back to what Paul was saying, promise of life in Christ Jesus. It's eternal life. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Well, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians is the chapter of the resurrection. That's the resurrection chapter of the Bible. And so there was there those in Corinth that were saying there is no resurrection. And Paul says that if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're most miserable. If there's nothing beyond this earth, we are most miserable. And so what is our hope in? Our hope is in the resurrection. John 5, 28 29 tells us there will be a resurrection. That, all, that the dead will hear his voice and they will all go back in their body. And those that have done good unto the uh, resurrection of life know that they have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. There will be a resurrection. First John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. This is how I'll, I'll finish it tonight. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Remember, we looked at how we became children of God last week. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, that's Jesus in the clouds, we shall be like for we shall see him as he is. That's that bodily resurrection. <clears throat> the twinkling of an eye. The dead in Christ will rise first. But all will be will receive their new eternal bodies. And every man that have this hope in him, the hope of what? The resurrection. The hope of being in heaven. What does that man do? He purifies himself even as he is pure. All 
the blessings of Christ are conditional. If we walk in the light, if we are a new creature walking in the Spirit, if we purify ourselves, what does that mean? That's repentance. We're continuously repenting and asking God for, for, for forgiveness. It's all conditional. Just as we learned about the children of Israel, the land promise was conditional. He said, as soon as you go following other gods, I'll take it away. God has given us a way to him. John uh, 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come upon the Father but by me. There's only one way in order to have the hope and the promise of the salvation that we read about in the Bible. We can be saved from our sins and still be lost. But it all starts with being obedient to his word. It's in the invitation. I, I don't know where it's at, but the Bible says we are all called by the gospel. The good news. Well, the good news is, is there God made a way. If we are obedient to the teachings of the Bible. Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we know that it's going to only come from here. By the word of God is the only way that we can have our faith. If we go to men's creed books, we have went outside the confines of this book. If we say the sinner prayer, we went out of the confines of this book. If we ask Jesus to be our personal Savior, we went out of the confines of this book. If we go and look to the Pope for answers, we went out of the confines of this book. Because we looked at it last week, who's the head of the church? It's Jesus. It's not man. We are to be obedient to Him. Our faith is in Jesus Christ. In John, I want to say it's 832. Let's try to There's a verse, and it says, If you believe not that I am him, ye shall die in your sins. It's in the book of John. 824. 824. Thank you. I'd rather, I'd rather read it than you messed it up. I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. And so it's, it does require faith. But it also requires faith that you believe the teachings of the Bible. It doesn't just say believe in the, the, the Lord. Notice what John 3.16 really says, or 3.15. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth him should not perish. It doesn't say will not perish. They should not. If you believe in Jesus and you believe in his teachings, you really shouldn't perish. You should have this everlasting life that he's promised. 
And then in, in Matthew chapter 7, he tells us why you wouldn't receive it because you're not, you don't do the will of the Father. The will of the Father is that you'll be uh, obedient to his words. Jesus tells us if we don't repent, we won't perish. In Luke 13, 3 and 5, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. He tells us that we must confess him before men. That's not a one-time act. But it does take it before baptism, as we see it in the Ethiopian eunuch do in Acts chapter 8, verse 37. When he says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We must be baptized. That's the will of the Father. That's how we become children of God, John chapter 1. We looked at it last week. But I'm going I'm to go to it one more time. John chapter 1. Where it says that he gave us power to become the sons of God. But as many as receive, that's belief. Okay, so there's your there's your belief. To them gave he power to become the sons of God. It's not at belief. Even to them that believe on his name. Verse 13, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of the will of God. It's his will that we are we have that new birth that makes us that new creature in Christ, that is through the baptism waters. To have our sins washed away, Acts 22, 16, coming in contact with the blood of Christ, Revelation 1, 5, being added to his church, Acts 2, 47. Being added to the mystery. But as we have read tonight, it's all contingent of us being faithful to God. Being different from the world. And so if there's any here tonight that have maybe lived in such a way that has brought shame upon the church, you can come and ask for prayers of the church and repent of those things. If it's of a private nature, you can do like Simon was told to do when he, when he was told to, print, uh, to um, repent and pray to, that the, uh, these things will not happen to me. But out of his wisdom, he says, Peter, pray for me. Pray for me. And we never read that he got, you know, sideways any longer after that. So we know he was restored at that time. Because God has promised to give us that crown of life, Revelation 2.10, if we are faithful. We will complete our salvation. Remember, Jesus is the author of eternal Hebrews. I'll go to it real quick. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm not mistaken. And I'll, I'll be quiet. Hebrews 12, 2. If we go to verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. That cloud of witnesses is the, the, the people we read about in chapter 11, the, the, the great men and women of faith. Let us lay aside every weight and the swint sin which does easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Again, it's telling us to live faithful right there. Looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down the right, the right hand of the throne of God. He is the author and finisher of our faith. But we have the choice. Will we be faithful to him? If we can help you in either way, if you'll come to the front, if together we stand and sing the song of the